0: We've um, been tracking together a series on the Kingdom of God for uh, uh, some time now. Uh, I'm not sure how long exactly, probably a good few months. And uh, just to um, just to refresh your memories, and for those who are who are uh, here for the first time, perhaps just to explain briefly what for us uh, the Kingdom of God is. Um, I believe that the Kingdom of God is is God's dream for our world. that that God longs to put this world to right and um, that this world would be characterised by by justice and mercy and grace and love. And it's um, wonderfully summarised in this beautiful uh, Hebrew word shalom, um, which means nothing broken, nothing missing. That that's God's longing for this planet is that, Humanity and the created order would be in a place of harmony with uh, with one another and with and with with God Himself. And what we what I would like us to do this morning is uh, for us to have a conversation around um, whether the kingdom of God is actually the exclusive domain of Christians and the Church, or whether the scope of the kingdom. Um, Transcends the church, goes outside the boundaries of Christianity, and um, incorporates far more than perhaps we um, would perhaps sometimes give give credit for. What I want us to do to begin with this morning is um, uh, watch a uh, a short video clip, and then we're going to engage in some conversation around that. That hopefully um, will. Uh, challenge perhaps some of the way that we uh, view the kingdom of God if those of us who've been in church for a while we might have some priests preconceived ideas uh, and assumptions around um, who is and who isn't involved in kingdom business so Al would you mind just uh, flicking up that um, that video thanks we end tonight with the football play of the month it was executed with amazing precision by the Eagles The Olivet Eagles. Steve Hartman has the play and the post-game analysis on the road.
1: Between classes, they schemed and conspired. For weeks, the football players here at Olivet Middle School in Olivet, Michigan, secretly planned their remarkable play. Did anybody go, this is a crazy idea?
2: No, everyone was in on it. Like the coaches didn't know anything about it. So we are like going behind their back.
1: I've just never heard of a team coming up with a plan to not score.
3: It's just like to make someone's day, make someone's week, just make them happy. The play,
1: which was two plays actually, happened at a home game earlier this month. The first part of their plan was to try to get as close to the goal line as possible without scoring, even if it meant taking a dive on the one-yard line, which it did. The crowd was not happy. Quarterback Parker Smith. But us
3: kids knew, hey, we got this. This is our time.
1: This is Keith's time. Keith Orr is the little kid in the brown jacket. He's learning disabled, struggles with boundaries, but in the sweetest possible way. Because of his special nature, it's no surprise that Keith embraces his fellow football players. What is surprising is how they have embraced him. Hello. We thought it would be cool to do something
3: for him because we really wanted to prove that he was part of our team and he meant a lot to us. Nothing can really explain getting a touchdown when you've never had one before. Which
1: brings us to part two of their play. If you didn't see Keith, it's because they were so protective of him. But he was in the middle of that rush. And when you crossed the goal line, what was that like? Awesome. <laughs>
3: it was like, did he just score a touchdown? Get your camera what? out. <laughs> like,
2: ah, oh,
1: Keith's parents, Carrie and Jim, almost missed the moment, but they got the significance.
3: Somebody's always going to have his back from now until the day he graduates.
1: She's right. When the football team decides you're cool, pretty much everyone follows suit. Today, Keith is a new kid. Although by no means was he the only one who was profoundly changed. What was it like for you?
3: It was like like once I saw him going, I was smiling like about like here.
1: Wide receiver, Justice Miller.
3: Like, nothing could wipe that smile off my face.
1: Why did it affect you so much?
3: Because, like, he's never been, like, cool or popular, and he went from being, like, pretty much a nobody to making everyone's day.
1: Justice admits the play wasn't his idea.
3: I would have not really thought about
1: that. He says it never crossed his mind to give Keith any glory.
3: Well, I I kind of went from being somebody like, mostly cared about myself and my friends to so caring about everyone and trying to make everyone's day and everyone's life.
1: Which may just make that touchdown the most successful football play of all time. Steve Hartman on the road in Olivet, Michigan.
0: Uh, that clip um, raises some really Interesting and, and perhaps um, challenging questions for us. And uh, we're going to unpack that together a, a little bit as a community. Jo- um, Alex, would you mind just putting up the, uh, the PowerPoint there for us? What um, kingdom values, if any, did you observe in that, um, that video clip? What were some of the things, in terms of what we've been discussing as uh, what makes up the kingdom of God? Did you see evidence of there in that um, in that clip? Serving others. Serving others. Thanks, Dan. Sorry. Kindness. Kindness. Beautiful. Patience. Patience. inclusion. so the outsider actually feels welcome. <laughs> Shane, you've been talking a little bit about the essence of the kingdom was to create space for those that actually sat on the margins of society in the time when the gospel first was presented. You see that in in that, um, in that uh, clip. Anything else? Yes, Rod. Oh, sorry. We'll go Graham and then Rod.
4: The, the encouragement, the team support when they were about to reach the goal, uh, attaining the line, the teammates carried him with them and made him part of the winning move. Beat
0: that, Rod.
1: I was just going to say
3: creativity. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Subversion, yes. They were going behind the backs of uh, the, uh, the coaches and actually uh, doing something that was uh, completely um, you know, not the done thing. And uh, the, the goal of football is to get over that line as quickly as you can. And, and yet here they were uh, placing somebody else who sat at the margins of, um, of that school um, and bringing them to the forefront. Anything else?
4: It's a bit like the parable of the talents. To, to those that are given much, much as expected and those kids honoured that.
3: Like you often hear people kind of saying this almost cliche of like Jesus came to turn an upside down world, the right side up and it's all catchy and stuff but that like that play to somebody that didn't know what was going on or didn't know that that kid had like a different ability, they'd, they'd look at it and go this is totally upside down but then when you hear the explanation you're like this is the exact right side up, like it makes perfect sense.
2: that the story was bigger than the individual who'd come up with the plan for it. Um, and you notice it's interesting that they didn't actually talk to the person who's came up with the plan and, and it's not actually attributed to one person. So, you know, whoever who did that um, has got this idea of this story is, about, is much bigger than, than me and me coming up with this plan and me inspiring everyone else to, to execute it.
0: There's a child that's kind of crawled up the. <laughs> one of the um, comments was the change uh, that one of the, um, the kids made there is how, how it had transformed him. And so this was a transforming experience, um, not only for the recipient of that act of kindness and of goodness and of inclusion, um, but for those who actually created the space for that. And... Uh, I think probably uh, challenging and inspiring and transformative for those who were observing that. Um, there's a scripture in John 5, 17, which I just want to highlight. And um, it says that Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too I'm um, working If you want to go to the next side, the question that I have for us is: Was God at work? Was God present and active in what took place? Or was this purely uh, an act of um, humanitarian goodness? There is no indication in, in any way whatsoever that these group of kids were uh, Christians or in any way attached to it to a church community or a church school. So the question is, in that act of of subversion, that act of goodness, that act of kindness, that act of inclusion and embrace, was the person of God actually present in the planning and in the, the delivery and in the consequence of that act? Because your answer to this question is profoundly um, impacting. Was God present and active in an act of goodness delivered by a group of people who, to the best of our knowledge, we were not people of faith so you're saying God was present in that, in that moment who would agree with that who would, dis- does anybody want to disagree with that And so the question that I put to you is, is this a valid example or an expression of the kingdom of God breaking in? That's the question. How would it not be?
3: I do struggle with it a little bit. um, as it, It seems to have all the hallmarks of the kingdom of God um, but why couldn't that be Allah or Buddha or something like that? Or that's where I struggle with Christianity.
0: It, it has all the hallmarks, all the fruits of the, the spirit that I recognise. Yeah, but why wouldn't it be any other um, so-called religious deity? That's a really great question. We were anticipating that emerging So if they had been a group of Buddhist monks that originated that idea or a group of Muslim young children who had come up with that that idea, would that negate it from being an act of God's kingdom breaking in? Would it no longer be the kingdom of God? Would it then be placed in the category of a good act, a humanitarian act, but not an act of God breaking in to the world? Sorry, the Christian God.
3: God surely um, created the Muslims, he created the
0: Buddhists, and he loves them all. Um, God doesn't create people to damn them, and so why can't God touch the hearts of these people as well? We just need to sit with this for a little while. We need to ponder our perception of that which is God, the Christian God, the kingdom of God breaking in, and the scope of that. Is that limited or minimized to it's only valid if those who are believers in Christ have Christian faith, who would be identified as being part of the community of God, is it only, the king, is it only an act of God's kingdom if it originates and is um, delivered through that agency? Or can it still be the breaking in of God if it comes from a group of people that are aligning themselves with what we acknowledge to be Christian, biblical, kingdom values. Rod?
1: I'm just struck by the term the Christian God, and I, I don't like it because I think there's God and then there are Christians. And the idea of the Christian God, I think any, anything that suggests containment of God as opposed to apprehension of God, um, sort of, yeah, God being comprehended as opposed to us latching hold of the God that is, so, we might be able to say whatever else God is, God is Christ like, but can we say that we believe in the Christian God? We believe in God and we are Christian.
0: Thanks, Rod. Do you want to just move on to the next um, thing? And so, the question that we're left with um, is God at work? Is He active, present? only through the agency of Christians and the church. And as, as Rod pointed out, is God contained and limited to expressing the life of the kingdom through those of us who are in relationship with him? Let me just briefly share, sorry, we're going to ask a question or make a comment, Joanna? I would have thought that, um, you know, given that God made
3: all of us, including people who haven't come into a relationship with him in his image, that even if people haven't kind of embraced him, that they still have the
4: capacity and the potential to exude his qualities, even if sort of without deliberately doing that as an act of worship.
0: So what is known is the, that we are bearers of the image and likeness of God and we, we carry that with us. Let me just share with you um, very, very briefly, and I'll try and minimize. This is uh, time down because of the the heat here, but I began my relationship, my walk with Jesus uh, at the age of 19. By the age of 22, I was in full-time church ministry, and I continued in that vocation for the next 25 years. Do the maths and add a a few more years on to work out my age. And um, I was involved in Christian church ministry uh, for uh, two and a half decades until we moved here to Melbourne, where I found myself for the first time in a very long time outside of church ministry, and I found myself um, working in the community development sector of local government Um, It was disconcerting um, and um, shocking for a number of reasons, but what I was overwhelmed with was for the first time I began to um, suspect that God's kingdom and God's activity in the world went way beyond the agency of Christians and the church. And I had been... Raised in a church environment within a ministry context that said if God was going to do anything on the earth, it was going to do, be through his people. And to my shock, when I began working in local government, I was working with colleagues helping develop policies and um, deliver. Um, uh, uh, s- services and provide facilities and programs that were actually making such an incredibly positive difference in people's lives. And we're helping to make uh, the community of the mu- municipality that I was part of uh, uh, down in the southeastern suburbs, we're having significant impact in people's lives. For example, I had colleagues who were working with um, newly arrived. Refugees and uh, people from a multicultural background, and their role was to help uh, welcome them and, and, and help integrate them into Australian um, life and society that 's certainly something that as a from my church background that i 'd never engaged in, but I saw the benefit of of what was taking place in terms of helping to build a, a, a wonderful, cohesive uh, community. I worked alongside colleagues whose uh, responsibility, because it was a high-growth area, there were new people, 120-something people moving into their community every week, and so it was all these new residents that were um, disconnected and, and, and struggling with um, isolation and loneliness. And I had colleagues, and their role was to work with uh, neighbourhoods and create connections between people and help build and establish friendships. That wasn't coming from the church. I was working alongside uh, colleagues that were distributing um, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of grant funding um, annually to help support community groups uh, with their work within the community so that the whole of the municipality was um, was empowered. But one of the most impacting things—I so could go on—in terms of arts and events—and I actually worked Beth. Uh, Where's Beth? Beth. I worked uh, with uh, Beth's dad, whose uh, role was uh, to actually uh, equip dads in our community become better dads. And I was watching this and observing this. And for me, one of the most striking things when I was asked to do a a community consultation process around disability um, 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 services in order for us to develop a policy that would um, create greater levels of opportunities for people um, in our community and and families who were affected by disability. And I sat in, uh, in meeting after meeting where uh, people, families with uh, children, often with a disability, would pour out their hearts and, and, and share about how isolated they were and how overwhelmed they were with the task they had in raising their kids. And I would go into my car after the consultation, I'd sit and cry, and I thought, oh my God, I have such a privileged opportunity to put together a policy and a proposal that will not only go to uh, our local government, but will be presented to um, to DHS, that will enable these people who are struggling and suffering financially and emotionally and relationally in so many different ways, I have such a crucial job that God, your kingdom, could come if I help develop a great policy. And I realised in that moment that my view of the church and my view of the kingdom of God had been, well, my view of the kingdom of God had been narrowed down to the scope of the church. And what I encountered was a God who was at work in the world apart from his people. And that my role and my responsibility was to Look for signs and look for evidence of where God was at work and come alongside of that and to validate what was taking place and to affirm that and, where possible, contribute towards that. I think for us within the church, we've operated for so long with an inside outside mentality that we've seen ourselves as the stewards, but the sole stewards of God's kingdom. We've seen ourselves for so long as the ones that have ownership of a goodness and kindness and love and generosity of inclusion and embrace. And yet the reality is there are people who are not people of faith, who resonate with the values of the kingdom of God. And like us, don't always get it right. But because they are people made in the image and likeness of of God and bear the image of their creator, who is good, who is generous, and who is kind, they seek to make a difference. And so when we, when we came here to uh, Fitzroy North, I had to let go of my narrow view of the kingdom. I had to drop this church-centric view of the world that I had lived in for um, two and a half decades and begin to reconfigure my thoughts around the fact that God was already active in this community, long before we ever came, and it wasn't our job to be a uh, take on a colonial kind of um, uh, posture, but it was to look for the signs of God's activity taking place in those around about us, and to identify that and come alongside of that. And I know I've shared this moment um, with you. Uh, Uh, Before, but it was so incredibly profound. It was uh, August uh, 2011 when the uh, federal election was uh, was taking place, and adorned on a lot of the um, fences and windows in this area were posters for the Greens Party. And this is definitely not a party political advertisement. But as I was praying, I was on a prayer walk and walking around the area and I was saying, God, how do we engage with this community? It is so different to that which I am used to. I'm used to kind of a suburban setting and this is eclectic and it's colourful and it's creative and it's, it's gorgeous and it's grungy and it's, it's just so unlike the church how do we connect and I saw one of those greens posters and at the bottom of the greens posters posters was the four values of the greens the first one is environment I saw the word environment environment Caring for creation and utilising the resources of the earth. The second value of the Greens is democracy. And everyone has a voice and everyone has the opportunity to contribute to society. The third one is social justice, eliminating inequity and alleviating poverty. And the fourth one, peace, reducing conflict, and promoting healthy relationship. And I saw that and I went, Oh my God, you are here already. Because those values encapsulate so many of the values of God's kingdom. I might not agree with the Greens in terms of why we should engage with creation care, but there is a resonation. We're on the same page together. We want to care for this planet and we want to take care of its resources. And we might not always agree on how democracy and how social justice and and how peace should look, but we're on the same page. We share the same values. And I became acutely aware that God is already at work. God has a story that he is telling. And it's not just the people of God that pick up on that story, that resonate with that story. In the cultural narrative of this community that affirms and validates kingdom values, we actually share so much in common. And so my challenge to us as a community is to begin to open up our eyes and to look for opportunities to affirm that which God is already doing in our world aside from the people of God, to recognise that as, as the work of God and to bless it and where possible we align ourselves with that and support it and facilitate it and encourage it what in in whatever way we can i know for some of us this is incredibly incredibly challenging thought it was for me i was in shock for 12 months as i grappled with this issue and we don't have time but there's a As I began to become aware of the Missio Dei, the mission of God, and began to engage with certain writers, theologians, I began to see the weakness of the position that I'd held for two and a half decades and have come into a place of, hopefully, of a more generous heart, a more generous view of who God is. Vaynand or Shane or Lou or anybody else want to add?
3: I don't really know where to stand, so I'm going to stand back here. Um, maybe just really briefly that uh, Jesus' original kingdom announcement is the kingdom of God is among you. Um, and so he stood before a people and asked them to open their eyes, um, which really shows if he was announcing it, um, and saying it's a, it's among you, the kingdom of God is is here. That it exists separately from, or well, it, it exists inside human activity, um, and it exists beyond the scope of any particular group. That our job is to our job is to find it. And he really described it like a way, a, a way of life, a way of being, um, something that was already. Um, operating but that was somehow hidden and I think partly it's hidden because of our desire to pin it down to or to or to own it um separate from anybody else yet the way Jesus announcement worked kind of resisted that idea that no one group um had rights to it but that actually function was was that God's activity was already operating and and we could somehow find it and get on board with it and that was the invitation to the kingdom yeah
2: Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Rod was talking about like bounded, bounded sets versus, uh, was it the centered set? The other one. And, um, essentially like, uh, how a lot of times, um, with like Christianity or whatever, um, people will draw, draw these, uh, these boundaries. And if, and if you're inside it, okay, you're a Christian. If you're outside it, you're not. Um, but the centered set is cool. And I think you use like a, a cattle metaphor um, where like you can keep cattle um, in your pasture by building a fence or you can put a well there and give them something to move towards and I think uh, in terms of like just humans being created in the Imago Dei um, it's not so much about like an intellectual ascent um, as it is uh, directionally and so you can totally, I think, be moving towards God and your activity and your passion and and uh, not call yourself a Christian at all. And to sort of say that participating in the kingdom is a uh, something that only Christians can do in a way sort of like limits God's um, activity to, uh, to like an intellectual human ascent. And I think that just doesn't seem quite right. seems like it's more up to us then, so...
4: God, I think one of the things we as humans do is we try to make, put everything and categorize it and try to make sense out of it. While that's good, we have to remember that the Lord works in mysterious ways. We can't comprehend what he's doing right now. Right now, there are bees that take pollen and pollinate plants. And, you know, all that process alone is mind-blowing. And, uh, you know, it's to try and comprehend or bound, you know, the, the limit of what God's doing. I mean, Sometimes for me personally, every time I go onto the sea or the ocean, I realize how great God is because I realize how insignificant I am and how, you know, how, how vast he is in everything. So to, I think, I just want to say that God is everywhere and we might not see it, but he's there.
0: We've had a, an American, a New Zealander, an Englishman, and now a South African
4: Uh, this there 's just so much um, floating around in my head, um, just um, and that 's not all, always good either um, look I, I think um, the best expression in scripture of the kingdom is actually the Garden of Eden <laughs> you know that 's God with his people, beautifully interactive productive, all of those beautiful things, and there weren't, I don't think there were any Christians in the Garden of Eden, as far as I know, I think they were just people of God there, now that's where we're going back to, isn't it, we're going back to a place where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're going back to just being the people of God. Whatever is happening in between is a remedy of the thing we've lost. So for me, uh, the, the grace of God is at work to make that possible, Stephen. Uh, God is at work in those who know him and those who don't. And we are not the judges of that. Uh, let no man judge another man's slave. I can't judge whether that is God or not working in that child. I think it is. But it's not for me to say it is or isn't. So I I just think it's God's grace at work in all of humanity right now working towards that place again where we will leave, cleave, and weave, <laughs> where we will be together as the people of God intimately with one another and intimately with god that 's the kingdom
2: i'm in in my own life, I am a firm believer that sometimes God uses
0: people who who are not aware that he 's using them. One of them was someone who was not of the a faith that I share the same faith and she's probably made the biggest difference in my life without knowing but I as a Christian could see God using her but she I think our egos get into the way when we think oh that's God I need to step in and I got to do my God thing so I think he's far more subtle than that he will use the
4: stones or the floorboards to 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 talk or to to do something if we get in the way so our egos, I think, is the biggest thing we've got to fight.
0: Sorry. Look, I know there's a few people that do want to respond, but can we keep it really brief, and then we'll we'll close.
3: Um, mine's just a really brief joke that probably illustrates this. Um, there's a guy who goes up to heaven, and St. Peter's showing him around, and he says, "Okay, so there's all these people there, and there's there's a." There's a wall around that group over there. He said, what's what's the wall doing over there? And he said, well, that's the Christians. They they like to think that they're the only ones in here.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that, Katrina. And on that lovely light note, uh, Bill, would you like to come and uh, share the benediction with us? This is a a really um, theologically dense issue that we've tried to kind of just touch on um, momentarily and um, um, it's difficult to do justice to it in um, you know, 40 minutes or so but uh, please go and reflect and think and perhaps for some of us to be really challenged outside of our comfort zones.